Welcome to the workshop. The workshop is more than an adult Sunday school. The workshop is a systematic discipleship program for teens and adults, which takes place Sunday morning prior to the service. Our focus is to be building disciples that are grounded in the basic principles of the gospel for spiritual health and for service, and to be equipped to minister broadly to meet spiritual needs around them and to develop and use their particular giftedness for the good of Christ's church. We typically run three 10 to 12 week semesters per year in the fall, winter, and spring. And we look at having some kind of missions project during the summer. If you're interested in finding out more about the workshop, please feel free to contact our administrator at New West Community Church and you can find us on the web at newwestcommunitychurch.com. Thanks very much. Take care. So the question, we'll wait for the screen to come back on. The question was, what impact does God's self-existence and self-sufficiency mean for believers or the church? Uh, what did you come up with? We'll start at this front table here. <laughs> so we've got a couple things. Um, our first one was that it's a comfort because it means that we can under utterly depend on him because he depends on nothing. Um, it also highlights his grace because he doesn't need us. He didn't need to save us. Right. And so it's also good for our own humility as well. And recognizing our mortality and weakness because we are not self-sufficient. We need food and water and sleep and God needs none of that. And he doesn't sleep. So, and then the, also why we make our bed every morning. Right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it also gives us confidence in Christ and his resurrection. How so? Because he's self-sufficient, he has the authority to lay down his life and bring it up again. Wow. Yeah, that was Bristol's yeah. point. <laughs> I'll give him the credit. That? that was Bristol's point, so I'll give him that the credit. Good. Thanks for flying in from Duncan, Bristol, to uh, help us out with that fine point. Good. Uh, okay, this table here. What, what did you come up with? Get grace with us for us. Um, it was in his completeness that it's through his grace that we even have salvation. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but uh, we, we struggled with this one a little bit. I mean, we are nothing without him being self-existent and self-sufficient. I mean, we, we are, we are nothing. Mm -hmm. We are but dust. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, we, I struggled with this question anyways. Okay. <laughs> Next time I do this, I'm going to have like a little token at each table. Yeah. <laughs> flip the token at it. 
we, uh, yeah, we, we had a bit of discussion on both of these attributes. We know what they mean to us, but it was hard to put into um, coherent sentences. Uh, so self-existence, the impact on us is that it makes us humble. I think that was already mentioned. And that we are inspired to worship a God who is not created, but is self-sufficient. And um, self-existence, sorry. And then self-sufficiency is God is not is sufficient and does not need us, yet he gives us everything. Therefore, we we rely on him. So we drive our very existence from him. And the fact that he's all sufficient also instills awe in us and drives us to worship. So back to the worship thing. Thank you. So we mentioned how God stands ready to help us because he is self, self-existent. Um, it also shows our dependency um, on him and our reliance upon him. And we, we find everything we need in him because he is self-sufficient in himself. So we have a constant supply from him. And we mentioned um, Isaiah 40, 28, how God does not grow weary or tired and that his grace is sufficient for us. Thank you. Last table. Uh, what we have here is we are fully, that everyone says we are fully dependent on God and we are full reliance on God, God is not dependent on any cause other than himself. God is up our absolute standard, the church, our lives as well. He is our standard in living. As a believer, we exist because God exists. Is that all of God's all-sufficiency, his self-existence, he possesses all things. He supplies our every need, ultimately through Christ. Uh, our, the major impact on us, his death at the cross, provides our redemption and his blood brings atonement or propitiation. His death at the cross ultimately provide the sacrifice once and for all. It's it's beautiful to to hear all of you talk about God and his attributes and what that means to you as believers and even to us as a church. Um, it's, It's powerful when we begin thinking of these things because as I was reading and, and reflecting for this week's preparation, I came across uh, some statements that uh, the theologian had made, and, and they're very true, and I hadn't really thought about it in that way. Uh, and this is what he said. He said, not only is God all of these things that we've talked about, not well, not well, because there's let me, let me back up. He said, in, in, in all of this that we've learned, we've learned that God is also patient. And that in the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, 
One, he could have taken their life and he would have been absolutely right to do so. He could have fixed it in the garden right away. Right? He, he could have sent Christ earlier in history. But he didn't get a plan. And that plan of redemption took thousands of years to unfold. And we see that his providential care and how he calls people, especially Abraham, calls Abraham out of Ur, right? Calls his people out of Egypt. And, and we, we spent a number of weeks with Pastor Paul going through what that looks like. Not only the display of his power, but his holiness and his connectedness to his people. We see that even in the times of judges where his people walk away from him time and time again. And God raises up judges to judge and to deliver and to rescue. And we see that in the exiles of how God is patient with, with his nation. We see that even in, in how the Jews treated Christ. And we understand that at the right time, Christ came. At the right time, Christ came. And he died for us on the cross. Right? And all of that is a display of God's patience. And from the cross forward now, 2,000 plus years, God is still being patient with us. Forbearing with his creation. Desiring that none would perish, but that all that he has called would come to Christ. He could have done it in an instant, but he didn't. And so what do we do with all of that? And, and one of the things that, that has really been impressed upon my heart lately is the, is the lordship of Christ. And in, in a lot of cases, it's easy for, for me to assent to the lordship of Christ and I'll be transparent with you. Practically speaking, it's hard to surrender everything to Christ. I mean, I'm a builder. I'm a doer. I'm a worker. And I've said to my wife a few times over the last couple of months, all I need is just a direction and then just release me. <laughs> right? It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like what a rhino does, right? He just picks a direction and goes. Who's going to get in his way? But the, but the Lord our God is one, and, and I think we, 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 we talk about this really well, that the, not only is the Lord our God one, but he's also three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And the Lord is the living God. He's not a dead God. He's not an asleep God. He's not a God that goes on pause until his people do enough things to garner his attention, and then he wakes up. He's a living God. And as we've talked about in this series, he is, remember, he's the absolute definition of that, that all things derive their life from him. We're told in Colossians that, that Christ holds everything up with the, the power of his word. Right? Lord is also a speaking God. He's not silent. We're told that God manifests his power and, and his being in creation. 
We see that as, as what the theologians call general revelation, how that is, is imprinted even into the very hearts of those who don't believe that there is no excuse. They know that God exists, even by looking at creation around them. I'm convinced that it goes deeper than that. I'm convinced, like Calvin was, was convinced, that, the, that the, very, the very understanding of the deity of God is imprinted in man's heart. As depraved and broken and sinful as it is, man in his very inner being knows that God exists. Because I believe that Romans 1 is right. That we, those who don't know God suppress the truth of God. And, and I'm convinced that they suppress the truth of God because they don't want to come face to face with the reality that God exists. Because now they're faced with the question, what do I do with him? And I wrestled with, with the questions for so long. Like, if an atheist don't believe that God exists, why are they so mad? <laughs> why do they care? If God isn't real, then what's the big deal? But I'm convinced that they know God is real. And they hate it. They hate it. They hate God. And we're told in Scripture that there are those who hate God. So the Lord is speaking and he's given us his word, special revelation, special revelation, so we can know more about him. We can know what his will is for our lives, right from the beginning of giving our lives ultimately to the Lord Jesus Christ, and then discerning what his will is for us. He's given, this thing, given these things to us. He's a speaking God. He's also transcendent and imminent. I think I mentioned this in a sermon a long time ago, that he's transcendent and imminent, meaning that, that he is above all things, separated out from all things, but also at the same time involved in all things. He's not a transcendent God that we have hope that at some point he'll, he'll condescend to come down and, and, and allow us to see him work. And we need both. Because if, if, if God isn't transcendent, then what separates him from us? If he's not above all things, if he's not eternal and, and separated out from time, how is he different? We need both. We need both. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, theology is practical. And my heart grows weary when I, when I hear, and I haven't heard it in this church, in this context at all about theology, but I used to hear it a lot in, in other churches that I went to. And sadly, in a church that I spiritually grew up in, that theology wasn't really needed. What was needed was just to, just to live for Jesus. And they didn't really want to know more about theology. They just wanted to know more about Jesus. And if you think about that for a second, that doesn't make sense. Because if you want to know more about Jesus, then you're forced to know more about the theology of Christ. 
But there's a danger in diving into theology and separating it from your life. There's a danger of just knowing more and more about the Lord and never letting it permeate out into your life. Just checking off some boxes and going, yeah, went to this workshop, went to that workshop, did some stuff, you know, learned some great things. But at the end of the, at the end of the program, so what? What are you going to do now that you know? How is it going to make a difference in your life? That's why I asked you the question earlier on. What's the impact? What's the meaning of God being self-sufficient? And yeah, he doesn't need us, but he wants us. There's a big difference there. He doesn't need our worship. He wants your worship. He desires your worship. That's amazing. The Lordship of Christ is a, is a practical theology. You've seen this image before. Pastor Paul, you showed it uh, in, the, in the Apocalypse series. And it, it's, it's, it's the, the diagram is, is describing what people would call sphere sovereignty, meaning that Christ is Lord of everything in our life, whether it's the government or whether it's the church, our family, where we work, society in general, what we do, what we learn. And you'll see that all of these circles overlap because you can't really have family separated out from the church. It's, it's not like you go to a swimming pool and there's, there's these pigeonholes that you can put certain things into and they don't touch each other. And you can see that all of them are within the circle of Christ, that Christ is Lord of every one of these things. I think sometimes even in our own theological frameworks, we separate out Christ from government. We separate, 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 separate. You know what I mean. God in our work. Been a long time since I've heard this, but I, I once heard a businessman saying, uh, I'm a businessman and my church life doesn't affect what I do in business. And my answer to him was, so what about your family? Does Christ affect what you do with your family? Well, of course it does. Okay. Well, why doesn't it affect what you do at work? Well, because it's work. Work is work. No. No. And I love that the Puritans said that even when you're doing dishes, it's an act of worship and bringing glory to God. When I'm peeling potatoes, which I hate to do, because <laughs> I always nick my finger, right? I mean, look at my hands. They're huge, right? And to peel a little tiny potato, it's, I, my, I, I'm, it's, I'm going to walk away bleeding but I could still praise the Lord when I'm peeling potatoes. I don't have to be teaching and preaching. I don't have to be leading things. Sometimes the most powerful things come in my home. <clears throat> On my knees, in the watches of the night, praying for my family. 
So theology is very practical. And if you suffer from the separation of Christ in different areas of your life, I, I, I plead with you to open the door to Christ in that area of your life. Because here's the funny thing, and you would all agree with me, he's Lord of it anyway. Why are we holding on to it? He's Lord of it anyway. And I can guarantee you that he'll do a better job of controlling it than you do. <laughs> a moral line from another preacher that I love that you either say amen to that or ouch. <laughs> Maybe both at the same time. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to borrow that. <laughs> But theology is very practical. And that's at the base of this, brothers and sisters. I want you to walk away from the series knowing that what you learned here is very practical. That God, in his simplicity, is a practical theology. That God, in his aseity, if I'm saying that correctly, is practical. The knowledge of God is practical. It's not just theoretical. That lifts our souls, especially in times of trouble. You see what it did for David in, in the Psalms. When he wrote that psalm, he was in the desert being chased. His very life was on the line. And what did he say? I love you because you've been good to me. And you take care of those who are your own. So this next week, uh, I would encourage you to pray. Pick one or two of these attributes that we've learned these, these last nine weeks. Just take one or two of them and pray about them specifically in your life this week. If you don't know, even know how to pray that, that's okay. Read scripture and the Lord will inform you how to pray that this week. We've been sitting a lot. Can we stand? <laughs> Those of you at home that are listening online, you can stay sitting or standing. We won't know. <laughs> um, does anybody have a birthday in June coming up? Paris. Here you go, Paris. You're like, no, what's he going to do? Does anybody have a birthday in May? Alexander. Is anybody else? Oh, that is June. She didn't, she didn't put up her hand. I did. Oh, you did. Okay. I'll give you this. Alex, I'll get you another one. <laughs> you can back to her. Thank you. All right. This power has. And as you bow your head, I want you to think that you are, you're bowing your head to the most sovereign being in the universe. Not only is he the most sovereign, he's the most powerful, he's the most self-sufficient, he is all glory. 
He is holy. And maybe some of you are thinking of Isaiah 6, where his, the robe of his train fills the room. Or maybe you're thinking Ezekiel, where he hears the still small voice and recognizes that it's God. I want you to think about how he is your heavenly father who has adopted just who is sanctified, who has filled you with his spirit.